Welcome to Leaders of the West, a podcast for innovators and changemakers. I'm your host, Jesse Jarvis, the founder of Of the West, and I'm sitting down with agriculturalists, entrepreneurs, executives, and everyone in between with the goal of digging into the strategies, mindsets, and lessons that have been crucial to the success of ag and Western. Whether you're carrying on the next generation of your family's operation, starting something from scratch, or determined to climb up the leadership ladder, we're going to inspire you to continue to dream big, growing not just you, but the future of agriculture and Western as a whole. Let's go. On today's episode of Leaders of the West, we are joined by Jenna Moore. Jenna has a wide range of experiences within the ag and Western industry, and we're going to get into those. But she is somebody who is very inspiring because she has truly created a network for herself. She is not somebody who was born in the ag or Western industry. And at here of the West, we get a ton of questions from people asking how they can get involved in our industry because they feel like they have nowhere to start. So if that is you, you are going to love Jenna's insight and wisdom today. Jenna, thanks for being here. Thank you so much. Hey, anytime I get to spend time with you, I'll take it. Oh, gosh, you are way too kind. Oh, well, can we kick this off by, will you tell us a little bit about yourself, your experiences, and really what has led you to where you're at in your career? Absolutely. So I was born and raised in a very small town in Indiana. So I am not some big city girl. I kind of come from the from the rural lifestyle. Um, but growing up, I really had no intentions of you know, my mom's side of the family owns a farm and lived literally 300 feet from us kind of thing. And so I had no intentions of doing anything like that. I went off to college at Michigan State, got an undergrad um, after changing my major probably four or five times, uh, finally landing on kinesiology exercise science, but with a real major focus on sports management. So I did that um, for four years at Michigan State and then decided I wasn't quite ready to grow up and be a big kid. And I wanted to kind of, you know, learn more about the industry I wanted to go into. So I went off to University of Texas and did a grad program in sports management and marketing. And through that time, I did a lot of internships. I worked with the 2012 Super Bowl host committee. I volunteered at a lot of the women's and men's final fours going through Indianapolis and Detroit and Texas, ESPN game day. So I really kind of started building my resume in that sports world throughout college and took the advantage of the spaces that I was in. After college, I had moved up to Denver to do my grad internship at a small D2 college up there in their athletic department. And then after that, life got a little crazy in terms of I had a really great resume and really great experience and volunteering and internships. And what I would say a lot of people consider like the creme de la creme of just experience coming out of grad school and sports. And it it wasn't working though. I went probably a year of applying, 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 could not get full-time jobs. I did freelance stuff. The social really started in, in grad school is kind of when brands really started utilizing social media as a marketing tool. So I kind of while I was in grad school, I I I ran a Facebook group for our sports management program and I called it and started utilizing social that way. And so when I moved to Denver and I, I, I wasn't getting a full-time, a full-time role, I had found a position, a short-term internship with the Cherry Creek Arts Festival to run so, their event social. 
And that's kind of where the world just kind of started opening up for me. I found a great mentor who she owned her own PR firm. It was a, kind of a one-man show. I was her first employee. She brought me on part-time to run social for her clients. And she opened the door for me in a lot of ways um, within the city of Denver and a really great network of people that were all the time, you know, 10 years older than me, but had been very successful. And I got to do, you know, be part of the Denver Art Museum, Young Professional Board, and, and really got to do a lot of things outside of sports because I wasn't getting the, the gigs in sports. Did a lot of things outside of that, that I would have never anticipated doing at 25. I mean, being on a Young Professional Board in the city of Denver is wild. Um, but she just opened so many doors. So as awesome as the experience as it was, I was really missing that sports aspect. And I remember I applied for a job at IMG Academy. It was the very last day I, I had I had found the job description. It was the very last day it was open. And I had told myself, I've been denied by so many jobs at this point. But I was like, I'm going to apply for it because if I don't, I'm going to regret it. Knowing full well that I was not going to get this job. And I didn't want to leave Denver. Lo and behold... I got the job and I was like, I freaked out. I was like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Like I want to, you know, I want to be in Denver. I took the job. It was with IMG Academy in Florida at their boarding school, which is like a premier sports facility for, um, it's like the Juilliard of sports, honestly, for high school and, and youth. And they have NFL training and MLB training and a lot of that, you know, that center of sports. So I was there for almost two and a half years and I loved it. I loved it so much, but I kind of, I wanted to get back to Colorado, was ready for a new adventure. And so I transferred internally. IMG was also owned by Endeavor, who also owns PBR. And so I wanted to get back to Colorado, and PBR was based out of Colorado. So I took the gig, and that was my entry into the Western lifestyle of PBR. Worked there for almost two years, then got a new opportunity at Cavenders in Texas. So moved my life to East Texas and was there for about two and a half years and decided I wanted to move to Fort Worth. And unfortunately, I I had to um, make a decision if I was going to stay in East Texas and work at Cavender's, which is the job I fell in love with, or if I was going to take a chance on myself and move to Fort Worth. And I, I got a job with a former colleague that started an agency, a youth sports agency and marketing, really concerned if I was going to get back into the Western world or not. And it opened a ton of doors and that's what's kind of how I've gotten now to someone from Teton. A former colleague from, um, from PBR called me up, offered me a role with Teton Ridge and that's where we have landed now. So a long drug out story, but I've been a lot of places, but every single one has been a stepping stone that I couldn't have skipped in order to get to where I am today. So let's talk a little bit about what you do now at Teton Ridge, just to kind of give those who may not be as familiar with you kind of what it is that you focus on. Totally. So I am director of social media and content at Teton Ridge. I handle social accounts for the American Rodeo, as well as the Arizona Ridge Riders, and collaborate with one of my colleagues on the Teton Ridge account. So we run social, a lot of the content, we ideate, but in all reality, it's a lot more. You know, you hear people's job roles and you're like, this is what I do. But then there's also this other bucket of all the other great stuff that we get to do, especially in the, you know, the Western sports and event space. There's just so many opportunities. And what's really awesome is that social and content can kind of, they kind of play a role in every aspect of a business. So I've gotten to really be part of some really cool things along the way, which I'm very, very blessed for. No, that is so true about social really being in a way, like the heart of a company because it connects marketing and sales and brand identity. And it really is 
the like the artery of of what we do. It absolutely is. I mean, even down to obviously customer service and understanding your audience. And, you know, we always laugh that, especially in the event world, like you don't get to interact with every person that comes to event, but you better believe that a lot of the experiences people have, they have no problem voicing on social, whether it be good or bad, which is great. So, you know, a lot of social media managers and people that work in this industry, you know, in the social space, they are some of the forefront people of understanding who your audience is because they're ingrained in that space at all times of what the, what these people are doing, what they're saying, how they're engaging, how they're interacting, what's working, what's not. And it's hard to understand that through traditional media, like, you know, billboards and TV spots. You don't get to experience how people are, you know, connecting with that and, and that feedback. Yeah, it is. And I, again, there, there's a place for all, for all types, but when it comes to billboards or, or print, it is very one dimensional. Whereas social, that is the cool part about it. It is, it has more than the single dimension. Okay. So you mentioned that you aren't someone who necessarily came from an ag or Western industry background. Your family had far, had a farming operation. So you had a connection there, but you are a pillar in the Western sports industry. You had absolutely no knowledge experience. So what drew you into the Western industry? Yeah, I had absolutely none. <laughs> I didn't realize I, I'm not going to say that when I when I went to PBR, I wasn't drawn in because of the Western side of that sport. That's not what drew me in. It was sports and I was getting back to Colorado and I was leveling up the position, you know, in, in a company that I was at. So it was a great move for me. But my, truly, my love and, and admiration and passion for the industry didn't come until I was probably, you know, six months to a year into it. I wasn't looking for jobs in the Western ag space. It was I took a chance on this position to the point where people were like, you are leaving this like world renowned academy to go work with bull riding. And I was like, yeah, like. I don't know. We're going to do it. It's going to be great. It's sports. I get to be back in the state that, you know, I really love and it's going to be great. You know, it was just like that. We're going to go into the positive attitude, manifest positive, you know, positive vibes. And I mean, it clearly it worked out really well. And I mean, I, and I think through the years, my admiration for the industry really has grown because I went, you know, PBR is such a powerhouse in Western sports. However, it wasn't, you know, I met a lot of great people there, but in terms of kind of the traditional rodeo side of things and a lot of the Western brands, you know, those relationships really didn't cultivate till I got to Cavenders and I was, I was surrounded by a whole new slew of, of people and brands and athletes. And I got a little bit of a, of that when I was at PBR, cause we had just started ride pass and one of my, my very first like rodeo task I ever had was they were streaming the Texas high school finals on our platform. And they're like, we're going to send you down to Texas high school finals and you're going to get content. And I was like, I don't know a thing. I know bull riding and I know eight seconds on a bull. And I now know how to pick the perfect picture where the athlete won't yell at me because they don't look good, but the bull looks good. And I've got this down. Like I spent two years doing this. And now you're telling me I have to go figure out rodeo. I don't know anybody down there. You want me to get content. I mean, I was on a plane to, I think I was, I think I flew into Lubbock. Maybe I, I honestly can't remember. I was on a plane like YouTubing. What is breakaway roping? What is like, what is goat tying? Cause I had no clue. I had, I had no clue. And I was like, I have to, 
I have to show up. And, and I was honest with people. I would just go up and talk to people and I would go through, you know, the day sheet and ask people like, Hey, who's, you know, who won, who's doing well, what's a good story and to create content. And I would be upfront. I'm like, Hey, I'm sorry if I sound stupid. This is the first time I'm ever experiencing any of these like different disciplines. And so it's funny to look back on it now because I'm like, now people are coming to me to learn a lot of this stuff. And I mean, it's, it's, it's wild, but I think a lot of that is just, you know, diving head first. And once I got into it and it's, I mean, it's so, so much about the people. Once I got into this space, like it, there was no looking back. And even when I left Cavenders, I, it was a really hard thing for me because I was really excited about, you know, moving to Fort Worth. You know, that's where I felt I needed to be or from a living perspective, I just really was drawn to Fort Worth. But it was really hard for me because I was like, okay, I have to leave this job that I really do love. And I love the, you know, I love what I get to do. And I'm so grateful for that. But I want to move there. And the only opportunity I had at the time was, well, not the only opportunity, but it was the opportunity that was the most enticing was my former colleague who, who had this agency and I could do social for their, his clients. But I was so worried about what if I, if I leave, am I never going to be able to get back in this industry? Because I truly do love this industry. And it took a couple, a couple of weeks for me to like, figure it out. But I mean, as soon as I left, doors kind of started knocking down when people realized I was leaving, you know, leaving Cavenders and the industry really opened up. And that's when some new, new opportunities came at me, but it, it wasn't the same. I mean, I, I was not passionate about the things I was doing, which was also a great thing. It made me realize like, okay, it's not just me thinking I just love to work and I love, you know, I love sports and events. It actually is. I just, tr- I, I truly love that industry and, and what I get to do in that industry and the people I'm surrounded by. Oh, I love that. So one of the things that I alluded to this in the beginning that we here at Up the West consistently hear from people is they didn't come from the ag or Western industry. They don't currently have a job in the industry, but they want one. And so they always ask us, where do I start? Or how do I get involved? Because from the outside looking in, I mean, we are a very tight knit community, but that can also be a bad thing if you feel like you're the outsider. So what advice would you give to someone who is in that space in life? I would say, first of all, put yourself in as many places as you can. Throughout my career, I would take advantage of every opportunity, no matter where I was. I mean, if it was a Friday night or a Saturday night and I found out, you know, Sulphur Springs has a circuit rodeo going on, I'd go. If someone was like, hey, you want to go to dinner after this? Or do you want to come out? You know, we're going to this this restaurant or this bar afterwards. I always said yes. So from a networking perspective, I'm always like, put your pla- yourself in places that you want to be and that are people that you know you want to be surrounded by. From a looking for positions and, and how do I kind of get my foot in the door? Obviously, mine was a little bit different because it wasn't... In- wasn't intentional to get into the industry. But what I would say is that I think we all know there's so many of, I I refer to a lot to events, but there are so many events and so many organizations that don't have the manpower that they would like. So offer that manpower. And I know it's it's funny because I feel like a lot of unpaid internships aren't as popular as they were back when I was going through everything to where everything was an unpaid internship. But put yourself out there. Like, you know, if you have a local rodeo, if you have a if you have a local brand or company that that does some things, reach out and ask how you can. What could you do to help them? You know, can you come do some social? Can you, you know, help pass out programs? Like, 
when I was in college, I did women's final fours and I would be like a welcome greeter for fans. I would sit in the PR room and, and make copies for all the press that came in. But every single one of those experiences, I connected with somebody else in the industry while I was there. And they've helped me even to this day. There was a lady that, you know, she's now the director of communications for the college football playoffs. I met her at a women's final four that I, she was, you know, one of the leading people for. They're now based out of Dallas at college football playoffs. And they do some of the coolest content and have some of the coolest creators I've ever seen. And I reach out to her all the time, even now saying, hey, hey, who do you have local from a photography standpoint or a videography standpoint? So all that to be said, it just put yourself out there and reach out to places that you want to be and offer an opportunity. I think when I get people a lot that reach out to me and they, you know, they're looking for opportunities, they're looking for opportunities. And I would say the biggest miss when reaching out to any of us that have, you know, jobs that you're interested in or are in season positions, the biggest thing is to reach out and find out how you can help. Because I have so many people that reach out and say, I need to do an internship. I would love to know if you have any internships available. Or, you know, I have, I want to do this and this and this someday. What do you have available? The ones that really captivate me the most are the ones that say, hey, I see that you guys do this. I was wondering if you needed any other assistance or you need any help with an upcoming event or in your marketing department to where it's like, oh, they actually want to help me too. It's not just them reaching out because they're in panic or it's something just for them. And it's really refreshing, but put yourself, put yourself out there and take advantage of opportunities to be places because everybody knows that in person, meeting someone in person is always going to be more dynamic than sliding into DMs. So if you're at an event and you see somebody in a vendor, a vendor stand, right? If you're like, I'd really love to work for resist all someday. Go up to the people in the resist all booth, introduce yourself and make that connection because that is going to go make leaps and bounds for you more so than just saying, Hey, and sliding my DMS, you know, or, Hey, do you want to, I'd love to learn more from you. Do you have a half hour to sit and, and talk over coffee or sit on a zoom call? So I could ask you some questions. I think those are all ways that you can stand out from everybody that once there's so many people want to be in this industry or that are already in the industry and want jobs, but there aren't as many as we all hope there were, honestly. So you have to find ways to to kind of find your way in in an authentic way that is also impactful that makes you stand out. I love that. You hit on two really important things. The first is the power of volunteering and getting involved in that way. Because a lot of a lot of what people say is when I give somebody my resume my resume doesn't show that I've worked in the industry. You still have all of those technical skills and the soft skills, regardless of what industry, right? Those are across all, all borders and bounds. But those volunteer opportunities are something that you can put on that resume. It does give you industry experience. And if they know that you're passionate about something, because let's be honest, if you're going to volunteer for it, you're probably passionate about it. Nobody wants to volunteer for something that they don't actually like or enjoy. So that shows... Like that is the connection there. And the other thing that you that you mentioned that I want to hit on is how you frame your asks, right? It's not, hey, what can you do for me? It's, hey, how can I help you? You have a problem. I want to help you. Yes, secondarily, it does benefit yourself. But asking how you can help somebody versus presenting it is, hey, I have this problem. Do you have a solution for me? 100%. And, you know, and I talk 
it's a similar conversation I have with athletes on sponsorship. When they pitch sponsors, they get down this road of, if you give me money, this is what it will do for me. And it's like, but what, what are you going to do for them? That you have to think about them before you think about kind of yourself in that situation because you're pitching yourself to them. But exactly to your point about the resume, I mean, I've seen the greatest resumes and they can't back it up in how they're in their work ethic and how they, how they actually perform. And it's, it's kind of goes back to like when I first got out of grad school, I was like, I know I'm, I am a hard worker and I am smart and I'm a problem solver, which is a very underrated skill to have. If, if plan A doesn't go, I'm going to figure out how to get it done no matter, no matter what you do. And the easiest way to do that is to go and show them how to do it. And the easiest way to do that is to do it without getting paid right off the bat and proving yourself. I mean, I have, I have some people that I've interacted with that their resumes were great, but what I was most impressed with was the work they actually did when I worked with them. And then I've had some that go the opposite. And you never want to be that person that has a really great resume and has all these fluffy words and can't live up to it. Like you'd rather be the one that's a little underrated so then you can really wow them. And the easiest way to do that is to show them. It's like, I always refer to this as like online dating. I'm like, I can put stuff in like a profile, but I am way more dynamic of a person in person. <laughs> like they don't even compare. So I'm like, Forget the resume. Let me just show you. What, let me just show you what I do. But a lot of companies obviously can't take that risk. They need to see, you know, something. But it also goes to the word of mouth thing. I've gotten a lot of opportunities I've had is because so and so knew that I ran social and they need a social girl. Which it's your work that tells the story, basically. So let's talk about word of mouth because word of mouth and your network obviously go hand in hand. And I know that you're somebody who really prides yourself on having created a very authentic and genuine network that you have built, as I have said numerous times now from the ground up, right? I, as somebody, I was born in this industry. I'm pretty sure you know 10 times more people than I do. So you didn't know anybody when you first started. You didn't have any connections. You literally built that from the ground up. How? I did. And you know, it's funny because people say that will say exactly what you said. They're like, you know, everybody and you know, you know, this and that. And for a while, it took me a really long time to be prideful of that because I never wanted to feel like I was not being humble. Like I'm very grateful for all the relationships I've built, but I kind of had to step back and be like, you know what? I I put in the work to build these relationships, but not in a way that felt forced or that I was expecting to get anything out of. And I think that's the biggest thing for me. I never went into a room or a meeting or a lunch or an event saying, I want to meet this person or I want to meet the CEO or, oh my gosh, the head of marketing is standing over there for that company and I really need to meet them. I, I never went in with intentions of, if I meet you right now, I never had the intentions of like, you better be a director or a VP or a president, or I don't want to talk to you. I'm going to treat you differently. You could be the janitor for all I care. I'm going to treat you the same way. And we're going to have the same conversation. And it's going to still be the the authentic conversation. Now, if we don't connect or, you know, I don't know if you're rude to me or whatever that may be. Yeah. I'm not saying every single person I meet, we have this great connection and and we're going to stay friends forever and all this stuff. (laughs) But you usually kind of find, you find your people and you find, you know, who you connect with. And I think kind of going back to what I said earlier is a big part of how I built my network was being dedicated to being everywhere 
And I know not everybody can be everywhere at all times. I know I don't have, I'm not, I'm not married. I don't have kids. So I have a little bit more free time usually to where I can kind of be flexible and be like, I'm going to go here tonight. I'm going to go there tomorrow. But it truly was what has given me the opportunity to keep meeting people is, you know, I, I talk to people all the time that, you know, people like, how did you guys meet? And honestly, 80% of the time I cannot pinpoint where we met, how we met at all. Because it's, it just see it's so, it's such a natural thing. And we end up seeing each other and it just kind of flows that I can't, there's a few that I can that more memorable maybe, but I've never gone into the intent of being like, I need to do this. I need to meet this person. And I think, I mean, when you say, when I say I knew no one in this industry, like no one, I didn't know anyone. Like like people would say names. I'm like, who's that? And they're like, oh, only the greatest calf roper of all time. I'm like, ooh, okay, my bad. Sorry. But I think the benefit of me not knowing anybody in this industry and not knowing the sport that well was that I was very, from the very beginning, I was like, this is one of the most authentic industries I've ever been a part of or ever seen. And if I want to truly be able to be successful in this industry, I'm going to have to jump headfirst and be passionate about it and learn every little freaking detail in order to speak with the people in the industry to showcase that, hey, I know what I'm doing or I put in the work to understand. Just like watching a YouTube video video to, you know, learn breakaway, but then also being able to say like, Hey, you know what? I'm, I don't know this. So I'm going to ask some silly questions, but it's because I'm, I want to be able to know and be accurate and, and speak to it. And so I think because I had to, I had to learn all this stuff in order to be authentic and understand all the little nuances of like words, like Slack and long go, like all these things that are so natural and like rodeo, I was dedicated to to going to all these places or, you know, going to jackpots and rodeos and all these things to where I I went because I was like, this is a new opportunity. It was always an opportunity. And I, I mean, from after parties or riding on a, on a party bus, I, I use the word party, but a lot of after activities and events are, Hey, we're going to jump on this bus and, and let's go have dinner. Or, hey, you know, the NFR, they're throwing a concert after party here. And, People outside this industry will always be like, you guys are always going to a concert or you're always having a party or whatever else. And it's like, it's because those are high networking opportunities that you get to see everybody. And it sounds so silly, but I promise you, I don't want to stay up that I enjoy sleep too. I enjoy having my weekends to do whatever I want, but I have dedicated a lot of my time to going to events and rodeos and Western events and stock shows and all these things on the weekends. But with part of that comes not only the authentic side, but I think also being willing to step up and help. If we're at an event and somebody needs help putting grit up, you better believe I'm going to help them put grit up because the next time I need a a favor, they're going to come right back to you, which is the whole cowboy way of life, right? Like you, you help them, they help you. That's how we get by. And so, you know, that's where I think too, being this authentic this, these authentic relationships, I'm not just in it for me. Like I am willing to sweat my butt off helping a friend like put up signage in an arena or take it down because I value that relationship. And I know that they would do the same for me. And that's such a big part of, of this industry. I also want to uh, highlight another theme that I've kind of sensed, and you've said this a few times now, but the idea of 
under-promising and over-delivering. So first with your resume, right? Nobody wants to be the person with a beautiful resume and then you can't back it up. The other one is how transparent you were in saying, hey, I don't know this. Will you help me? And then you took that help to heart. Like you truly wanted it. You asked for it. And then you said in your mind, hey, if you're going to help me learn this, I'm going to learn it well. And I am going to impress you with how well I know this. 100%. I mean, back to the authenticity thing. I knew that if I didn't if I didn't go all in head first and learn every little nuance that people would read through that I was not from this industry. And I'm to the point now where people are like, if they haven't, they don't know me or they don't know my background. They're like mind boggled that I didn't grow up in this industry because I can, I can kind of speak to it and and understand it. Did I miss a lot of experience not growing up for 20 years in this industry? Of course. Like, but I like to think that, you know, I put a lot more effort than, you know, people that grew up in this industry, they've had 20 years and I don't mean put more effort into, but they've had 20 years to put in the experience and learn the knowledge. And I've had to come like compact that all into a couple of years to try and catch up to where all these people had years and years and years of opportunities. And it was, I mean, it was, it's a lot, like there's still to this day things I'm trying to learn, but you know, from that resume thing, I think you pinpointed it exactly. Like you, I always pride myself on over delivering and not being afraid to ask, ask for help to say, and I'm, I, I have a lot, I use humor a lot to like deflect feeling stupid. So it's like, Hey, I don't know this. So sorry if I asked a stupid question, but can you please help me kind of thing. And that's an important, I think, quality to have, because if you can't ask for help, you're not going to be efficient. You, it's going to take you a long time to get to where you want to go. If you, if you're not willing to just put your ego aside and say, I know I don't know everything about this, but I'm willing to learn and I'm willing to, you know, problem solve to figure it out. It's no different than there's a lot of things I I don't know how to do or anybody doesn't know how to do. But if you're willing to learn how to or problem solve to ask the right people to put in the extra work to get there, I think that's a skill that can't be put on a resume. And that outweighs a lot of fluffy words on a resume any day. Okay, we're going to end with the rapid fire round. The questions are not necessarily rapid fire questions, but we call it that because these are the questions that we get to ask all guests. So the first one, what is the best piece of business or personal advice that you've ever been given? So the one thing that's always stuck with me is kind of back to the the Denver story. When I was going to IMG, I was like, so I didn't know if I wanted to leave or stay. I knew I'd be passing up a really great opportunity. But one of my really good friends at the time who was, you know, 10 years older than me. So she had some experience and she was like, you can always come home. You can always come back. We will be here. You can always come home. And that, that line, when she told me that, that was kind of the tipping point to be like, you know what? You're right. This doesn't have to be a final destination. I can go down there. I can leave my friends. I can keep my friendships up here for sure. And guess what? If it doesn't work out and I'm like, I just want to be back where I was, I have the ability to do that. And I think that is something that's always stuck with me because as you can tell by my extensive going all over the country for job situations and opportunities, I've never let that geographic location hold me back from new opportunities. And so the idea of like, you can always come home, so don't be afraid to jump has stuck with me in pretty much every decision I've made in my life, really. 
Okay, if you could give people any words of wisdom and you knew that they would take them to heart, what would it be? I think there's kind of there's kind of two things. One is it's awesome. It's great to have goals and great to have intentions. I mean, my freshman year of college, like I went to school wanting to be an orthodontist. Like that was my goal. So it's awesome to have goals and intentions about what you see yourself doing or what what you ultimately want to do. But have those, but don't be hell bent on that having to be the final destination. And because of that, you miss opportunities along the way that at the time you don't even think may be perfect, but they end up being the perfect spot and where you were supposed to be. I'll be the first one to tell you, I, if you would have told me at any point before like seven years ago that I would be in the Western, like Western sports space or even the Western ag space, I would have literally laughed in your face. Like I would have been like, okay. And like my parents now like laugh, look back and be like, man, it's come full circle. Look how this has all worked out. You know, you're kind of like back to your roots. So I had a lot of the journey that I, I anticipated for myself has been so far off, but it's so down the path of where I was supposed to be. And it's led me to the things that I love and I can't imagine being anywhere else, even, you know, even mainstream sports, which is where my final destination I thought was going to be. And I think just the second part of that is not being afraid to change the norms or letting a geographic location hold you back. Because, you know, obviously there's a lot, a lot of remote and online and social and everything. You can work from anywhere. But so I've, I've seen a lot of people who, who are afraid. The fear of leaving the known is too scary and they don't take the opportunity. And I think there's a lot of missed opportunities because of that. Just because you're from a small town doesn't mean you can't make it in the big city. I've lived in Denver. I've lived in, you know, I live in Fort Worth. I've, I've lived close to the beach. Don't let, oh, I'm a small town girl. I can't compete with the big city people. Yes, you can. Big city people can't com- compete with the small town girls, you know? Like, it's a thing. And, you know, don't be afraid to change that norm of what it should be. You know, this industry has so many wonderful traditions. And I was an outsider. And we sometimes are scared to let outsiders in, which is understandable. But... I think when those outsiders are looking to come in and you see that they're they're they become as passionate about this industry as you are, I think it it changes the game in so many ways and really allowed me to bring a fresh look into this industry on how how can I elevate this based on my previous experience, but it's definitely not the norm and don't think you have to follow the norm to get to that destination. Oh, I do hope that people take that to heart. That that was deep. I like that. Okay, if you could go to dinner with anyone dead or alive, who would it be? I would say I would invite Betty White and Joan Rivers because you know one of them is probably not going to show up or they're going to be a little late or they may already be like a little buzzed. So I'd invite <laughs> both of them, but I feel like that would be the most entertaining dinner of my entire life. And I think and and I mean, that's like the funny side of it. But I think from a, like, from a serious side of it, both of those women have, you know, I work in an industry of a lot of guys. I'm surrounded by cowboys all the time. Being able to speak to them respectfully, but then also holding your own ground and saying, hey, I'm here too. Like, you want to throw, you want to throw some crap at me? I'll throw crap right back at you. You know, like, I'm going to stand here and I'm going to be firm. And I think both of those women, you know, they really, through the times that, you know, of their generations, they kind they really like made a made a spot themselves and they did it in a way that it wasn't super it wasn't stuffy. It wasn't corporate. They had their personalities, they had their attitude and they let it shine and they were proud of it. And people 
love them for that. And if I can take an ounce of that and make that, you know, how I interact with people and how I lead, then I will be doing all right. That would be that would be a good dinner for sure. Okay, final question. What is one quote that you lead your life by? So it is a Joan Rivers quote. And I think it kind of is, again, how I how I kind of finagle life, which is part of my act is meant to shake you up. It looks like I'm being funny, but I'm reminding you of other things. Life is tough, darling. Life is hard. And we, get, we better laugh at everything. Otherwise, we're going to go down the tube. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's just a job. At the end of the day, you know, life can get hard. But if you're not willing to crack a smile and laugh a, lot, a little and make fun of yourself and make fun of literally everybody else around you, do it to their face. So then, you know, they know that it's out of love, not out of, you know, ill will. Negativity. Yeah, I'm not I'm not really, you know, really talking crap. It's more because I love you. But, you know, I think a lot of times, especially with how the world's kind of been the past four or five years with so many crazy things happening, we tend to lose that sense of humor and that lightheartedness and and just sitting back and being like, you know what, at the end of the day, it's all going to work out. And it always does. And we can't get too serious because Lord have mercy, the world would be a much more boring place. Oh, man, would it ever. Oh. Well, thank you so much, Jenna. I know that everyone is really going to appreciate your insight and wisdom. If you were someone who was listening, do us a favor, take a screenshot Put this in your stories. Make sure to tag Jenna, tag of the West, all three of us, however that works. And then if you know of somebody who wants to be part of the industry, they're struggling, they don't necessarily know how, make sure to send this episode to them because I know that Jenna's words of wisdom are going to inspire them. So, oh, and last thing, of course, don't forget to hit follow or subscribe so that you guys never miss a show. And with that, we will see you next week. If you loved this episode, do us a favor and share it with someone else who might find just as much value in it as you did. We're on a mission to continue to grow and strengthen the future of agriculture and Western industries, and you spreading the word helps us make more of a positive impact. It also makes a big difference when you take a minute to go rate and review the show. We can't thank you enough for listening, for sharing, and for loving Ag and Western as much as we do. We'll see you back here for our next episode.